You're listening to C3 Church Tugra's podcast. Join us today as we listen to our Sunday service message that will inspire and equip you. We pray that you are blessed and empowered as you listen. But the goodness of the Lord has just begun. I'm going to share in a minute about the fact that we've just entered the night season. This is a time of the night, not a time of the day. This is a time when people are going to need men of God like you to make sense of it. People that understand suffering, loss, hardship, but have felt the grace of God. And out of you will come a mouth of wisdom and grace as a true pastor, because people are looking for true shepherds. This will be a time of security and safety for churches where Goshen, Goshens will be, you know, the Goshen was a, a sacred place of chosen, strategic chosenness. Joseph sends Judah to find Goshen. When he finds it, it's a place of strategic safety. And today the Lord declares you are a Goshen man. That people, you know, there's a, I don't know where it is, somewhere one of the prophets said, in the end of days, a man will be like the cleft in a rock and the safety from a wind. And God is calling you to be someone like that. There'll be people who'll come in trauma and confusion. And I know Katrina's got a shepherd's heart, but you know, you will, you will bring words of wisdom and grace. And in that, they'll feel a healing and a settling and a rest and they'll enter the Sabbath day in their heart. So I pray for you today, Rog, that God would give you a boldness, a confidence um, on your calling. Because it's not gone, it's just changed. <laughs> Hallelujah. And in that you'll find joy. So Father, I thank you for Roger tonight. Lord, we thank you for your anointing upon him. We thank you, Lord, for the strong grace of a father. The father's will unfolding and waves and just crashing out. Deep calls to deep. The crashing waves of God's presence coming out of you mighty river flowing into the spirit of other people as they listen to your words of wisdom. Hallelujah. Katrina's here for you, but there's something unique about your journey that's going to that's gonna be a blessing to many others, many others. Beyond this house, this house is a blessing to you, I know that. <laughs> but this is beyond the house, mate. Hallelujah. Just receive that. All right. Hallelujah. All right, we've got some words from other folk tonight. There's others here. Thanks, Charlie. You're all good. You're good now, bud. Um, there's a couple of things the Lord has laid on my heart as a big burden, not a little one. One of them is blasphemy. It's not a word we use a lot these days, blasphemy. I'm going to probably scattergun a few things out. That's the way I go. This is not preaching. This is just imparting. Um, blasphemy is making light of what God puts weight on. It's Christian light. You know, when the Lord speaks to the churches in Revelation chapter 2, one of me says, you're lukewarm. I wish if you were one or the other, but when you're lukewarm, I can't digest it. There's a few things the Lord's dealing with. One of them is, it's a preparatory season. I wrote a book called The Days of Awe three years ago on a 10-year period which would 
parallel the 10 days of awe that the Jews celebrate every Rosh Hashanah through the Yom Kippur. 10 days of introspection, self-analysis, repentance, to see whose names are written in the book of life and whose aren't. All right? And uh, we can use Jesus' name because our name's written in heaven. If your name's not written in heaven, Jesus' name means nothing to you and it can carry no weight. But when your name's written in heaven and you're amongst the cloud of witnesses, Mount Zion, Hebrews chapter 12 talks about the refining process of Mount Zion. God reveals himself as a consuming fire and he, he reveals and exposes the ecclesia, the gathering and assembly of God's people, citizens of heaven. And in there he says, and you're amongst innumerable, innumerable number of angels, the spirits of righteous men, and those whose names are written in heaven. All right? The disciples come to Jesus and said, guess what, Jesus? The demons even bow to our, our, our ministry. And he says, don't rejoice on that. I saw Satan fall from heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Wow. You know? So what is it about this name written in heaven thing? It's identity. Belonging. There's a lot of stuff going around right now about identity, have you noticed, in the cultures of the planet. Identity's been a thing that, in the church, as being a... uh, The sense of understanding of our identity has been diminished more than we realise. Because we haven't understood our sense of identity based on the fact that we're citizens of heaven. When we know our name's written in heaven, we know that, you know, when you're a citizen of a country, you're on some kind of register. You know what I mean? You become a citizen, you get get your little certificate and then you're registered. When we get the revelation that we're registered, something happens to your spirit and your sense of allegiance your sense of agreement, your sense of identity flows together. Alignment and agreement are going to be crucial for this season. Ten-year period, I wrote a book in 2020. We're now in 2023. We've got seven years or seven days left, which I believe will echo the Passion Week of Jesus, the seven days of Passion Week when he walks to the cross and begins to talk to the disciples about a changing narrative They're trying to make sense of the fact that on one one hand, they've walked with him and he's the best guy in town, but now everything's shifted. The frequency around has changed. He hasn't changed much. He still talked the same way you you always talk, but something switched in the spirit realm and the most popular guy in town now becomes the most hated guy. All right? And he gets targeted by religious spirits, all kinds of, you know, stuff. The Lord spoke to me about alignments and allegiances and our capacity. It affects our capacity because when we understand where we belong, we draw our energy levels, our sense of fuel from the Holy Spirit who's been sent from heaven. Remember, the Holy Spirit's been sent. He's a sent one. So... Jesus says, I'll no longer be on the earth to fuel, energise, speak to you, but I'm going away, but I'll send the Holy Spirit and he'll be sent and he'll remind you and speak to you about everything I've told you. And when he's amongst you, 
he'll represent me, he'll represent heaven, you see. And when, when, when you understand your identity and you understand where you belong, there's something about your capacity that goes to another level. When you belong, when you understand you belong at the right hand of the Father in heaven with Jesus, when you're ascended with him in your heart and you've established your foundation in that position, there's something that gives you boldness, confidence, a real sense of authority because you're coming from the right position. Your source is from the right place. You're not trying to please men, you're trying to please God. Your sonship is based on the Father's favour alone. The Father's favour alone. You are my son and I'm well pleased with you. You're not trying to get a favour from out there, you're trying to get favour from up there and you receive that by the way of your identity. I said before that I think we're in the night season and, and uh, Jesus, Jesus would be fully revealed as the Son of God in those last seven days. It would be a, a fullness moment. It would be a, a seven-day journey of unveiling of Christ as the Son of God in all of his suffering and resurrection, you know, um, I don't want to preach tonight because it's, I don't really want to go down any pathway like that. But let me just say that, you know, when, when Paul's writing to the Roman church, he says that he follow, follow the genealogy as a, of Jesus as a man, the son of Joseph, but as the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. So his identity was found in, in the fact that he was raised from the dead, but not only raised, but he ascended. He ascended. Now, you've got to capture this because this is, there's a lot in this. The ascension of Jesus was a crucial, critical unveiling of who he was, the ascension. Ascending to the right hand of the Father. Right now as the church, we are in a crossing over moment. Everything's changing. More than you can imagine. The narrative and the culture of the planet is changing and in the next seven years, many of us will look around and think, what has happened to the world? It'll look totally different. But the alignment of the church to deal with the mission and the assignments that we have in the next seven years is crucial. Our alignments, because we are going to live in a polarised world like you've never imagined. It will be so out of agreement the roar of the nations, the confusion of people, their sense of identity and allegiances. Can two walk together unless they agree? There will be so much polarisation. We've only seen the taste of it with COVID. But I want to tell you, I said this in 2020, COVID's just the first fruits of much of what's going on. We're going to see so much. Babylon, the DNA of Babylon has always been confusion and it always will be. But when we get alignment with heaven, I think it was mentioned tonight about unity, you know, the whole unity of the church. Unity of the church will come through its sense of identity. It'll come through its sense of identity. Um, that's just a bit of an introduction of scattergunning things out. But, you know, I wanted to focus on a couple of things out of this new book I've written called The Tao. And... Um, 
I, I shared with the, with the church this morning a little bit about our church this morning, about Watcher's Prayer. And, um, you know, when we talk about a watchman or a watcher's prayer, it comes from an ascended place. It's not just babbling words. It's, not, it's, it's words with weight. When, when you pray like a true watchman, you carry weight in your words because they're God's words that have filled your spirit and then you're just echoing them back or decreeing them out from his heart. That's the true weight. Elijah, the prophet Elijah, switched the rain off and then switched it back on again. James chapter 5. Elijah was a human being, but he prayed earnestly that it would not rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again and the rain came. And what was it about Elijah praying that the rain would stop and start again? What was that all about? Elijah's heart was, was aligned with a bigger narrative. God was dealing with the nations at that time. And so he said, you're my man, I want you to pray. I've got a, I'm doing something sovereignly and I need a prayer warrior. And I don't want you to just, I don't want you to just pray any prayer. I want you to pray earnestly that it will not rain. So he didn't just offer up a casual prayer, a lightweight prayer, an apathetic prayer or a prayer of what I would call almost like a blasphemy prayer. He prayed with energy and weight to the degree where he aligned himself with the Father's will and then God heard his prayer. It was the same kind of prayers that Jesus prayed when he went to the cross. And it says he was heard because of his reverent submission and his strong crying of tears. There was, a, there was a weight, a, a burden. See, when you pray on that level, there's a burden in your spirit that takes you to a place of faith and alignment where you are, you are switched on to heaven's narrative. You have ascended in your spirit and you might be human, Elijah was human, but he had weight in his prayer because he was praying from a place of alignment. And this is where the church is going now. We're going to a place of maturity through ascension we're going to a place of, of communication, of speaking and listening, dialogue. We're going to a place of agreement. And it's in that place we're going to find true identity, true unity. And, and, it, and it'll take our churches, our local churches even, to places of a frequency, a spirit-to-spirit -spirit language, which, which will be free from human effort. It'll take away all the striving struggle of slavery. See, when sonship is on the horizon, all of the, all of the, 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 the effort and, and, and all of the, the works that we do that are, that are as filthy rags to God, you know, all the stuff that we do. I've, I've been laughing about this a lot because, I've, you know, when God speaks to you about things, he's chose you first. <laughs> it's like I've been laughing about some of the things I've been doing in the past and thought, man, that was a waste of time, you know. Because when you come in higher, you start to see a different perspective. And so Elijah prays and the Lord says, oh, I want you to pray, Elijah, because I'm up to something with a bigger narrative. Turn the rain off. He could turn the rain off because God said, turn the rain off. If I pray for the rain to come off now, I'd just walk out and probably get wet. You know what I mean? But when you turn the rain off and God says it, the rain's going to stop. That's the way it is. 
weight in our prayers has got a whole lot to do with alignment. It's got a whole lot to do with our heart being connected. Jesus enters the seven days leading up to the cross and what does he do? He turns to his disciples and says, can you pray with me an hour? And they all fell asleep. They had no capacity. They were walking in a, in a frequency of Christianity light. You know when you have something that's not full strength? It's light. You know, it hasn't got the real deal. Christianity light. So the disciples are full of bravado. Peter says to Jesus, I don't care, they'll all forsake you, but I won't. And the first thing he does is betray him. But the beauty about redemption is is that Peter was able to walk through that transitional period and come out the other end and and learn some lessons about about what it means to to carry weight and becomes a true shepherd. This, this, This is a time of learning for us as the church to... To understand alignment, capacity, weight, authority, stewardship of the Holy Spirit, what it means to actually be a believer, a true believer, um, to carry the weight of assignments, to understand that we're all called to ministry. That the stage is just a platform of communication, but there is a stage for all of us and a platform for all of us to serve the nations are going to roar for the next seven years at least. Probably, there's a, I believe in 2030 there'll be an atoning moment. Yom Kippur, an atoning moment. I don't know what will happen in 2030, but I'm prophesying this now that in 2030 there'll be an atoning moment. What's an atoning moment? Um, what happened in the, in the Day of Atonement was it was a time of cleansing repentance. There will be, a, there'll be something that will hit... But in the lead-in, there'll be a lot of preparation. This is a preparatory time. This is a time when all of us have got to be sober and alert and awake. We can't be asleep. The ten virgins, they all slept. Five awoke and they had the fuel. Five awoke and they didn't. All right? Listen to the word sleeper. It's going to be everywhere soon. Sleepers. Sleepers awakening both good ones and evil ones. Mm, right. Sleepers, yeah. yeah. The sleepers are going to awake, both in a good way and a bad way. You say, what's this got to do with the local church? Everything. Everything to do with the local church. We're going to have to create a new narrative, a new, a new atmosphere and frequency for our churches the systems and processes that we're used to in the past won't kick it. It's relational authority. Alignment is about relationship, true relationship. It's not about systems and processes. Yeah, yeah you can organise and do a roster You can, because people need to know when they're going to turn up and things like that. But the weight that we're moving into has got a relational strength to it of alignment and agreement that comes from the proper source it's not forcing people to agree, not forcing people to align. Identity, the byproduct of true identity will be alignment and agreement. And you'll step into the space of your assignment and ministry with sufficient energy to serve from a different place. You'll step into, a, into alignment, uh, sorry, you'll step into your assignment from a place of alignment. 
which fuels you totally different. No burnout. Because you see, the flame can't burn out. The whole idea of the high priest was to keep the flame alive. But that's a whole other message. So, so we're in a place right now where God wants us to pray ascension prayers like Elijah. Why does he want us to pray what I call prayers of ascension? Because many of us, we're called to bring transformation to people and places. But in the past, we've struggled with our efforts and not been able to... You know, think about the early church for a moment. They turned the world upside down. They entered into places. When you think about the, the Greek islands there, the, you know, the first port parts of evangelism into Europe, many of the Christians, if you, you can read the Roman historian records and things like that, they, they were in these small little towns. They affected the culture to such a degree that the power of the Roman Empire, which was, think about America, align it with Rome, the Roman Empire, nothing compared. The Roman Empire was fierce and covered the planet these humble little portals in these Greek islands around the Mediterranean had Christians that were persecuted that spread out from Jerusalem and began to find little pockets of fellowship, clusters of relationship and agreement. And out of that, they walked the Roman roads and changed the world. They changed the world. The first evangelism into Europe affected human history and we receive the inheritance of that. 2,000 years later, the Western world has been built on the foundations of early Christians who decided to align themselves with heaven, to set themselves apart. And in that, they affected the, the most um, you know, powerful culture on the planet at that time. Pax Romanus, Roman dominance. We will control the planet through our military power and make everyone get along. It was one of the first fruits of the Antichrist spirit. But these early Christians began and then they saved the king of the Roman Empire, Constantine, third century. It begins to affect governance, etc. Territorial spirits, we think about territorial spirits. You know, territorial spirits have been given governance in the spirit realm over different jurisdictions, metrons, you know, we've got them over regions, we understand, we pray into these things regionally, we've got them over nations. Right now we're seeing the map change because in the spirit realm, territorial spirits are contending. So prophets and seers and, and, and you know, um, different gifts of the spirit pick this up as forerunners. We see afar off, we see what's coming down the pipeline and begin to decree it and declare it. But if people are asleep, they just, it goes in one ear and out the other and it's like, can't digest it. But those that are listening, they understand the pipeline of what's happening. And so we, we begin to make sense of the fact that around us is contending for territory, for the souls of, of men and women. And, what, and how does the enemy do it? He wants to take away, he wants to steal your capacity. And he'll do that by stealing your identity. He'll confuse you about your identity. And, and there's many Christians that have spent, you know, been, been hijacked by identity confusion that's in the world 
because they've not established their identity in heaven and, and, and not carried sufficient capacity or authority to resist and contend with the territorial spirits. Territorial spirits are not just over communities. They're, they're, they're family spirits. They're familiar spirits. They're over our own lives, you know. I, I know in my life, I remember a prophet prophesying over me in my early 30s, um, well, actually, it was his wife. She was a prophetess, and she walked up to me and she said, "I saw, I saw a in the 16th century. I saw a servant, a small little servant with a servile spirit of poverty. That was one of your forefathers, and it's cursed you with a spirit of poverty. You know what I mean? And imagine if you get a word like that off somebody. Thank you for your encouragement. You know what?" And that, but but I, I'd never forgotten it. Never, ever forgot it. Because I knew it was from God. Right. And I thought, right. That was a familiar spirit that she'd seen. She was a seer. She saw it. See, these things track your generations. They pick it up. They, they, you've got good and bad angels, spirits following, tracking, watchers watching you. People are spooked about being tracked and traced by the government. I want to tell you, you're tracked and traced... <laughs> You're tracked and traced everywhere. Right. You know, so, so to stay fully alert and awake, especially in this night season, we've got to understand that this is a time of, of, of watchful prayer so we, we can not just survive but flourish during this time right. and, and get sufficient victory for what the Lord has for us as local churches and, and, and operate from a particular place of strength. You know, the persecuted church in Jerusalem... Think about the Jerusalem church, Roman Empire, first church they get saved. The book of Acts is the Jerusalem church, Acts 2, 3, 4. Communities of awe, the presence of God, multiplication of souls, 3,000 souls in one day. Everything shifts and they get the great dispersion. They're taken out. We find the book of Acts, they have to move out to the greater regions. And so this is the irony of how God works. He... They, would, they weren't stuck in Jerusalem because persecution drove them out. You know what I mean? If they were comfortable, they might have stayed in Jerusalem because remember Jesus said, go to the Jews and don't go to the rest of the world. Right? That was the first word. Go and minister to the Jews, to the Israelites, but don't go to the Samaritans and the, and the other most part. I want you to go to them. But then the narrative changed. The word of the Lord came through persecution. That's how the word came. The night season came. When the night season came, everything shifted. Migrations. They had to migrate. They literally had to move home and go. This is the time and a season for us as local churches that we've got to understand what the Lord's doing on multiple frequencies and levels. Not just in words of knowledge, words of wisdom, but in events, occurrences, disruptions of the nations, things that might happen in your personal world. And making sense of that. Some of us are Josephs. We're never called out or sold out. Joseph, if he was waiting for the word of the Lord to be called out, he would have been waiting forever, but he was sold out. And he ends up in Egypt through the betrayal of his brothers, but then he looks back and says, you men are for harm, but God men are for good for the saving of many souls. 
So, so for some of us, we've been betrayed into our calling and, and it, it, it's, you know, it's important to, to understand that when you're aligned with heaven and you're hearing from heaven, everything makes sense because you're hearing from a multidimensional frequency and language. You're not a linear. The, the problem with the church, the problem with the church in, historically has been that we've We've been operating from a limited framework, a one-dimensional framework, both in the way we read scripture, you know, um, and I'll, I'm going to refer tonight when we get there to, to a, a translation called the Dewey Reims Bible, which is a Catholic Bible. Is that okay? In a Protestant church? <laughs> One of the first Catholic Bibles? Track it back to the Latin Vulgate. Um, but we look at the translations and we look at all the different... Bibles, you know, there's so many Bibles now. You know, you can get modern translations, paraphrases, Eugene Peterson's The Message, The Passion Translation, one of my favourites. Paraphrased probably, but I love it. Um, uh, But it it doesn't matter what translation you read, you can still have a religious spirit. But when you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and making sense of your life. Remember the early church didn't have the Bible. They had the Old Covenant. In the book of Acts, there was no Bible, New Testament. The early church was built, the apostolic prophetic church was established on revelation of Jesus from the voice of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't, the canon wasn't written until hundreds of years later. The canon wasn't established and gathered. We hold on to it now with dear allegiance, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible, not God the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? So it's crucial right now, why have I brought up the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit, remember, I said before, has been sent from heaven to bring the frequency and the language of the Father to us on point. On point. In other words, today, remember Hebrews chapter 3, not last week, not even next week. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Today. So we come back to, you know, blasphemy and things like that, Christian light, apathy, burning out, all that. That comes when our heart's grown hard. You can't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, so you'll invent one. Idols in our heart don't just arrive and say, I'm an idol and I'm in your heart. No, they sneak in and misrepresent God. They creep in to steal your capacity. They come in and say, has God really said that? Just like Satan said to Jesus, undermine the integrity of the voice of the Lord, confuse the narrative of heaven, Try and distort the, the, the clear, pure, simple message of what's coming down and bring you into a place where you're actually got an idol in your heart that's hardened you and you can no longer hear the narrative of the Holy Spirit. We're being called into a place of purity now, preparation and refinement, and we're, we're having to deal with the idols of our heart. We've got, to, we've got to look at all the... God's cleaning house. He's, he's taken the idols out. Why? So that the white noise of all that chatter, because an idol's got a voice. Yeah. 
an idol's got a loud voice. It's a bully. I want your attention. An idol can be anything. If you've got certain biases or gifts or talents or whatever, and you're serving the Lord and you've got all this other stuff going on in your world, I'm going to get to what I'm going to talk about in a moment. I'm leading into it. Um, it will diminish your strength and capacity. An idol is, is a weakener spiritually. An idol is, is something that comes into our, our, our world and our spirit as men and women of God and it weakens us. If you track the kings, the prophets, uh, the righteous men and women of, of, of our forefathers, when they allowed idols to come into the, the camp, it weakened and even polarised and, and, and you know, brought division. It certainly brought division. But it, but it undermined the strength of capacity whereby they no longer trusted in the presence of God. They trusted in idols. They thought that they were the things that were going to bring the money home. That's what was the secret source was in the idol. Remember, we, we know the classic stories of Moses goes to the presence of God in the, in the mountain, comes back down, and Aaron's turned the whole culture around. You know what I mean? Lying spirits are very smart. Spirits can lie to you and you'll just, you'll just think, man, that sounds so good. That sounds like you're on the money, but you're being lied to. I want to talk about four kinds of amen. This is something that I've put in my new book and it's something that I think is on the horizon now. The Jewish rabbis understood that the amen was crucial in our ability to serve the Lord and to follow his will, our amen. Everyone say, my amen. My amen. amen. To, to follow God's amen or to, you know, um, Scripture tells us all the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God the Father. And um, I want to spend the last few minutes talking about this because I think this is on the horizon now. And this will be a true key indicator of where you're at. So let me just find it here for a minute. It's just beyond there. Okay. There's four kinds of amen that um, the rabbis talk about. Um, and they, they're indicative of where your heart's at. The strength of your amen. You remember, we finish our prayers with amen. That's how we finish our prayer. Amen. What does amen mean? I agree. So be it. The strength of your agreement. Remember, we're talking about agreement, alignment. So that there's a certain indicator that God looks at to see the capacity of your heart, the strength of your amen. And it's tied to your identity, your sense of identity. Okay? It's, it's the strength of your belief. Now, we're supposed to be a people of faith, but I want to tell you this. A true indicator of your faith is the strength of your amen, your agreement. It's the strength and the depth of your amen. So... Diluting your amen is the work of the enemy. The four ones we're going to look at is the orphan amen, the split amen, the hurried amen, and the double amen. The first one is the orphan amen, which is um, 
self-explanatory in a way. What's an orphan? An orphan is, an orphan is not a, a son. An orphan is fatherless. The, or, the orphan amen comes from an orphan spirit, obviously. And I'm going I'm to use the, like I said, I'm going to use this Catholic Bible because it, it goes back, it's like the King James Version. It goes back to the Latin Vulgate. It's, it's got probably a bit more of a true indicator of, you know when Jesus said, truly, truly, you must be born again. He uses it twice. You'll find that the law of repetition, twice, double portion, happens constantly. Amen, amen, truly, truly. You'll find that the, the, the strength and the importance and the weight of what God's trying to get through to us, the revelation weight that he's trying to get through to us, when he says it twice, he's trying to bring sufficient weight and authority on what he's saying. Truly, truly, amen, amen, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't see it. Jesus is trying to talk to us about this. John chapter 12. Amen, amen. Verse 24. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground. Here it is. I gave this word to you. I didn't even know it was in the, I was going to use it tonight. But here it is here. Amen, amen. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it, it remains alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. He didn't just say it. He, he precedes it by... A double amen. Amen, amen. The orphan amen is a timid, weak amen that comes from abandonment. In other words, when you've got abandonment in your spirit, there's a certain indifference to life and people. An orphan is somebody that feels disenfranchised, not connected. Remember I talked before about the future of the church is not in process and pathways, it's in relationship. So when you're in a true intimate relationship and you've got an orphan, amen, you will struggle with agreement. It'll come from a spirit of abandonment and you find it difficult to align and agree. So what comes is this almost like this paf, pas, passive, aggressive attitude to life and people. It's like you're almost not connected Fatherlessness tends to do that. The fatherlessness on the church has done that. It's created a culture whereby we're, we've, we've tried to invite people with an orphan amen into our, our, our assignments and, and wanting a sonship, a double amen um, agreement from them, but they're orphans and so all they've got inside of them is a, is a limited capacity to come and say, Amen from a, a place of light weight. Can you understand that? So when God's bringing us into a new level of understanding of our identity, he's dealing with the orphan spirit, amen. He begins to bring it to account. So it's time to leave that orphan, amen, in your spirit alone and let it go. Come into a place of true identity. The split, amen, comes from a divided heart. The split amen is, is, a, is, it comes from a double life. See, when you come to contribute to the Lord and you bring your offering to the Lord and you've got a double life, you're moving in, in, in reality in a, in a hypocritical way. You, you've distributed your offering 
in many places. There's nothing unique about your offering to the Lord. You're not in that place of purity of submission. And so this whole idea around a split amen is, comes from a divided heart. King David lost his double amen at one stage in Psalm 51 when he, he, he got led astray by Bathsheba. And remember he says in that great prayer of Psalm 51, Lord, heal me of a divided heart that I may follow you. And when that happens, when the Holy Spirit anoints me again with a double amen, souls will come home. He lost his soul winning edge. So a key indicator of a, of a, of a split amen is when you've got all things going on. And I've seen this in so many people where their amen has changed from a double to a split because of, and some of them are gifted entrepreneurs. In other words, they're great business people. And they've had a double amen, they've seen the revelation, they're connected and aligned with heaven's narrative, they're hearing the voice of the Lord. And if something happens, an opportunity, the enemy comes in, lying spirit and idols, just sneaks in and says, why don't you do this for a while? And eventually what happens is their amen changes. It goes from a double amen, it dilutes. The enemy's trying to destroy our capacity. If he destroys our capacity, the kingdom is hindered and stuck. Can you understand that? So the split amen does that. The hurried amen is the third one, the busy amen or the hurried amen. You know, right now we have a lot of traumatised Christians because they're operating out of an anxious spirit. I was talking to a guy today about it actually and I, you know, I had to pray with him about his trauma because what had happened was he got himself into a place where he was trying to make decisions on the run, a hurried amen. And so you don't, you don't have the capacity to agree with God because you're trying to agree with all these other things that are not God and your life is full of all this other stuff and it diminishes the pureness of what the Lord wants to do in your world and you've lost clarity on what you're called to and what happens is your, your heart is so caught up with stuff. It's full of white noise of all kinds of voices and, and, and then you, you operate from a place of trauma and you make bad decision after bad decision and it affects relationships. Then you start looking at authority figures differently. People that are aligned with heaven start looking different because you're not aligned with them. You're aligned with some other folk that agree with your idol worship. You know what I mean? And so everything changes. The frequency changes. It's so crucial for us to understand this because... You see, when, when you've got a hurried amen, you fill your life. Abraham had it. Remember Abraham, he, he, he was spoken to by God about Isaac and God said to him, you're going to have a son, but he, timing's got a lot to do with this. So, so Abram gets spoken to by God. You're going to get the H, the Holy Ghost, the hallelujah. You're going to get that in your name. I'm going to change your name. You're going to have a son, Isaac. He has to wait, but he gets a hurried amen in his spirit and out comes Ishmael. Ishmael's appear. The idols of our heart produce Ishmael's. And so we have these things that eventually irritate us and are self-destructive. They bring sabotage in our life because we've invited them in because we've allowed a hurried amen to come in. Our allegiance and our agreement with God has got an urgency about it, an anxiousness, a trauma about it. And so we've allowed the trauma of the world, the spirit of the world to affect our, our spirit. And so our, our offerings are, are cluttered with debris. 
They're not pure. We're entering a night season now where the law requires of the church a double amen. Because with a double amen is full strength sonship. With a double amen is full strength authority. With a double amen, it brings us into alignment, like I said before with Elijah, that when God calls us to pray particular prayers, we're carrying the capacity to speak on his behalf with the weight he's called us to. We can decree things with sufficient weight. They're not coming from a split, a hurried amen, or an orphan amen. They're coming from a full double sonship amen. They're carrying the way. So let's look at this double amen. The double amen is strong and true and full. John 14, 12. Amen, amen, I say to you, or truly, truly, he that believes in me, the works that I do shall he do, and greater works that these shall he do, because I go to the Father. And whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, that I will do. I'll close on this thought. Have you ever read that over and over and over again and thought, anything you ask in his name, he'll do? When you've got a double amen, you understand the strength of that statement by Jesus. Because he says here, if you ask the Father in my name, and if it comes from the, the right spot, there's such authority and power, the greater works are resident within you. The greater works. Now we know what the works of Jesus were. Jesus was talking here about a time and a season where the church would come into the greater works. This is the night season. But we're going to see gifts awakened and activated. We're going to see the miraculous activated that we'll look back in the church's history and think, our church's history, and think it's nothing compared to what we're in now. We'll look back and think... Was that really how we operated in the lightweight culture of that? We were hoodwinked. We lived in less than our destined place. You know, when the exiles, the prophets spoke to the exiles, it says that, you know, the sons of, and daughters of God, you know, the Babylonians and the, and the Assyrians and all these other dominant cultures, they took away the identity of God's people. And it says... They were worth more than the weight of gold and silver. In other words, it was trying to measure the weight of God's people and they'd been robbed of their identity. And I feel like the church, what we've done is we've gone through an era and a season where we've, we've, been, we've accommodated Christianity lightweight and wondered why we haven't entered into the full measure of what we've read about. But when we carry a double amen in our spirit, when we begin to operate from an ascension place of alignment and agreement, when, we, when we are, our hearts are open to the narrative of heaven, if, we're, if our heart isn't hardened or deceived by a lying spirit, a familiar spirit, a territorial spirit, whatever spirit it might be that we've subjugated our life to, if we've come away from that and set ourselves apart and we're in, in a place of yieldedness, humility, in a place of listening and speaking to the Father... The greater works are then a part of the, the narrative and the, and the assignment of what we're called to right now. This is going to be a time of a totally different mission field for the church, for local churches like ours. Now, you know, we, we know that, um, you know, there's a lot going on at the moment around the planet. Um, 
But let me just say, this is the beginning. This is just the beginning. I said to a few folk in our leadership two days ago, I said, this is going to happen faster than you imagine. You remember just before COVID hit and everyone was just listening about a few people getting sick here and there, next minute everyone, the whole world shut down and we couldn't travel or go anywhere. And then people are going crazy trying to fight grannies over toilet paper and trauma and all kinds of things are going on because they're following the narrative of the world. This is going to come to our doorstep, folks. Local churches like ours, we need to be in the ascended place to make sense of what's coming. We've got to operate from a frequency and a culture and a relational order. A relational order. Right? That's based on our ascended place. Our identity as citizens of heaven. We represent heaven. Citizens of heaven. Our name, remember, our names are written in heaven. So the name of Jesus, John 14, 12. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, in my name. The name of Jesus has been used by us in prayer and we've then said, in Jesus' name, Amen. Our Amen has been light on Jesus' name. When it's a double Amen because of Jesus' name, we've stewarded Jesus' name the wrong way. But when we align with heaven, we'll understand the weight of Jesus' name at an unprecedented level. We will carry the weight of Jesus' name at an unprecedented level. That when we use his name, the miraculous... Remember, we're talking here about the greater works. I don't know about you, last time you read the Gospels, but there was a lot of stuff going down. I just read this morning about a guy that was had a bad... It said in my translation... He had the serious, the most serious condition of leprosy. And Jesus said, you're cured. Think about some people in your world that you think, wouldn't it be great if you could just lift them out and bring Jesus' name? I'm telling you now, folks, the greater works are ours, but we've got to be aligned properly. Our identity's got to be aligned. We've got to, we've got to understand our place in the ascensions of the ecclesia, the gathering of the assembly of the communion of saints, Gathered in heaven, citizens of heaven, represented by the power of the Holy Spirit that affirms our sonship. The Holy Spirit's in all of our heart tonight, wanting a double amen out of us. An amen of a son, not a slave, not a weak, hurried, diminished, split, orphan amen, but a double amen from all of us. A place of sonship. When you, when you carry that in your spirit, you'll never run out of fuel. Yeah, yeah. Eugene Peterson, come and learn of me, Jesus. Matthew 11 or 10 or somewhere around there. Burned out on religion? Come and learn of me, I'm gentle of heart. And you'll understand the rhythm of grace. There's a rhythm of frequency when you're in the ascended place that, is, that never runs out of fuel. Never does. Never runs out. So we're on a, you know, I want to drop this bomb on you before we close tonight about Sabbaths, you know. Um, The Lord said to me, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. This is a narrative, came straight from heaven for me. He said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath and I can heal on the Sabbath. Religion doesn't like healing on the Sabbath, but I can heal and I can do anything on the Sabbath. 
he said, you know, I worked for six days and then I stopped on the Sabbath. And you've got to understand that this isn't about work now, Martin. It's about honouring the Sabbath and I'll do the work. And so he switched my thinking. And so, you know, this is the first fruits of my narrative download. <laughs> and it's changed my approach to everything, you know. It's took trauma out of areas in my life that I've allowed the enemy to get in. And Sabbaths are going to be a big deal for us to understand rest. See, when you're in the ascended place, you've, you've entered into the rest of God, the true Sabbath, in your spirit. And so you can discern between human effort, an idol's life, a life following an idol, or following the narrative of heaven and working for the Lord from the right place of rest and allowing him to build his kingdom through you. So tonight, my prayer for us, let's stand together. My prayer for us is that we'd have discernment first about what position we're operating from. And maybe you're here tonight and this is a time for you to realign your heart with heaven. And and you know what you do on the radio when you change the dial and you change from that channel to the other channel and begin to tune in to a different frequency? Maybe it's time for you now just to, to realign your thinking and say, I'm going to switch into the frequency of heaven and listen to the Father's will and voice. That the Holy Spirit would begin to crack open an area of hardness and begin to realign your spirit and your mind with the purposes and plans for not only your life, but the life of those around you that you're called to reach. You know, um, the other thing the Lord spoke to me about was changing people. Some people, we've sent them to counsellors, we've, we've tried to coach them on change. But when you carry sufficient weight in your prayer, there's a transformational glory in communicating with God on someone else's behalf that can change them in a moment. God will do something powerful if you pray for someone with the weight that God has called you to in his name. When you operate from a bigger narrative, when you carry that for that person, the burden for that person, and you begin to pray for them like you've never prayed before with an earnest expectation. My prayer for you tonight is, is is there someone in your world that you're trying to reach? Why don't, you, why don't you take a moment to begin to think about how you could go into whole new realms of intercession for them and pray for them. Not speak to them, not try and counsel them anymore, even though counselling can have a certain place and context, but to pray for them that they would come home. Elijah prayed that the rain would stop and then it would start again. Then James says... And if you turn a sinner and he comes home, you've covered a multitude of sin. King David, Lord, release an under, a, a divided heart from me that I may follow you wholly and completely and fully and then souls will come to you. There's something powerful about a church that carries the weight of intercession for a lost world that will fill the church 
Thousands can be saved, hundreds, whole families. Wow. I'm believing that in this church and many local churches of our Eastern Coast region, we won't see one saved here, one saved there, yeah. but we'll see whole families saved. Yes. Fathers, mothers, kids, the whole deal come in at once. Yes. The whole lot coming in and getting saved at once through prayer. I declare over this church a whole new level of intercession and prayer in the culture of this church. That some of you would get a burden for prayer like you've never had before, that you begin to enter into realms of ascension and an increased um, desire to want to pray on behalf of this, the, the community, the region that you, that, the, you know, the, the metron that God's called you to, the boundaries of influence and beyond, that God would increase your faith and, and give you the capacity and the anointing to speak to God on the behalf of others. But that as people walk into the, into the atmosphere of this building, that this building would carry a, 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 a frequency of life that people would be affected by that, that they would come into a place of, of uh, listening and think, wow, they're tuned into something here and it's got to be the greater works. It's got to be the greater works. It'll affect your worship teams. It'll affect your, your service areas, hospitality culture, relationships with each other. And there'll be a, relation, a relational depth that'll come from a whole new level of identity. Hallelujah. Where was that brother that was serving before that was around that offered me a bottle of water? There you are, bro. Come out here. Andrew, is it? Yeah. I'll pray over you, bud. Hallelujah. Can I get the instrument? Where's Charlie gone? Is he still here? Or? Hallelujah. Jump on the keyboard, Charlie. Thank you, Father. Andy. Thank you, Father. Jesus. I could see you as a as a, about an eight or nine year old, around about that age, not teens yet, but around about that age. And there's a solidity to you in a way that you, you got it you got it right. You're thinking I'm I'm on my way. I know I've sort of I'm not an adult yet, but I've, I've got a pathway forward I think I can follow. And from that position and place in your world at that time, there was predictability in your heart and thought, life's going to unfold this way. But it didn't. It didn't as you thought it would. And I, I feel like, I feel like there's some things in your spirit that a residual from the, even that time where you can look back when you were really young and think, well, what happened, God? You know, I had these expectations and desires and it didn't all, it didn't all deal out the way I thought it would. You know, providence is a word we use to talk about the overarching decisions of God that, that outweigh our own decision-making. You've made some decisions and you know you've made them and they haven't always been right. But, you know, there's an overarching thing of the Lord that has a, such a depth of redemption about it where even our mistakes, he can turn them around and rebuild them into a place of it looks like it always was meant to be. And, and, and I feel like 
you know, with you, and, and I want you to get this right, you know, because I, because I don't want you to misunderstand me or I don't want anyone else to misunderstand me because, you know, it can be misunderstood, but I've got to say this because this is the way the Lord's speaking to me about it. The Crusades went into Palestine at that time or what they called Palestine, the Middle East, and they carried a cross on their chest because they thought they were fighting for the Lord and they went in there and there was a lot of fighting and the Persians and all that kind of thing and that was the narrative that was going on at that time. But they went in with a passion to defend the faith, defend the faith, protect the faith. Rightly or wrongly, I'm not validating what they did, so please misunderstand me. I'm using this as a metaphor, a prophetic metaphor for you to defend the faith, a crusader. That's probably the wrong word to be used, but that's what they call themselves, to defend the faith. I, I believe that this is a time where the Lord is going to crack open capacities in your spirit. Even from when you were a young boy, where there was, there was potential within you that, that needed to be added to and needed to be supported, built into by mentors, educators, parents, family, all that kind of thing. But it was disrupted and you thought, will I ever get it back? You got Phil ripped off. But I want to tell you that this is a time where the Lord is going to, going to do it, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. I'm going to do it, says the Lord, and it won't be because of this thing that you think in your head is going to happen. It'll happen through God. And he'll fast track it. You see, acceleration is part of the work of the Holy Spirit's redemption plan. Acceleration. He does it when he wants to heal, realign and, and position people. I feel with you, Andy, there's going to be a, a time in this night season where the Lord is going to make you a crusader. I see a cross on your chest, a red cross on your chest, just like them crusaders, where you are going to protect the people of God because there's a courage within you that's untapped. There's a courage within you that's, that you're going to step into spaces and places where you'll stand between the people of God and the people that'll mean them harm. You'll be a defender of the faith. There's an intelligence in your brain that's going to be uncapped where you'll be able to have a mouth of wisdom that the enemy will not be able to resist. Words of wisdom and words of knowledge. It's a time for you to begin to understand the importance of a word of wisdom. A mouth of wisdom. You don't need to debate, you just need to declare. You don't need to articulate every little jot and tittle. You just have to declare the purposes of God and that'll, it'll settle it. The mouth of wisdom. You can, you can say three words and the weight in those three words will hit a human heart and untangle all kinds of rebellion and stuff. You don't need to explain it. Not Christianity explained. The kingdom of God declared is totally different. All right? Can I just say that that's the other thing I wanted to declare over it. Stay there, but The other thing I wanted to declare over the church, this is the end of Christianity explained. Hallelujah. That lie's got to leave the building. All right? All right? It's now the kingdom of God declared. All right? The kingdom of God declared. It's in the simplicity of a mouth of wisdom that people get saved. 
I don't know about you, but I got saved in a prophetic word. And Ellie did, my wife too. She got saved in a, in a prophetic word. And we went home and said, we've just met someone who told us everything we ever did, just like the woman at the well. They didn't, but to us they did. You know what I mean? I remember getting saved and I had a vision of walking out of jail and Jesus walking into jail. Visions is the other thing. Dreamer. You're a dreamer and you've got to, you've got to put value on your dreams. We're going to see people saved through dreams. Literally go to bed at night and wake up in the morning and get saved. My good mate that I used to live with before I was saved got saved in a dream. I was a little bit like the people when Peter knocked on the door, you know, those people that were praying for people, Peter to get delivered, and they knocked, you know, he knocked on the door, and then she come and says, oh, Peter's at the door, and they said, no, it's his ghost, he can't be here. They were in unbelief. Well, my mate rang me at two in the morning, bubble in his eyes out, and said, the Holy Ghost has just saved me. I had a vision in the night, and I'm saved. And he used to mock me all through my Christianity, and I thought he was having a go at me. I thought he was drunk and having a go at me but he actually got radically, totally saved in a dream. And he's been saved ever since. He's been driving me nuts ever since as a Christian. But dreams in the night. But we got to, the kingdom's got to be declared, not explained. Now there's discipleship pathways and there's maturity things that we'll still do, I'm sure. But, but let me just say that all discipleship is relationship driven. It's not systems and processes and classes and things like that. That's the other thing we've got to think. There's no weight in that. The whole church has gone through a whole era, as long as I've been saved, of trying to do pipelines, ramps. We've called them all kinds of things. Ramps, pipelines, charts, flow charts, everything. It hasn't done anything to keep people getting saved. It's done nothing. But when the relational alignment of heaven comes and the weight of heaven sits, people will stick around because it comes from a place of sonship. It's not slavery. You know, we're not trying to explain Christian culture because that's created an idol. The great apostosis, the, the, the departing of the faith will happen because people have had a relationship with church and not with Christ. So they're offended at a false culture, which is an idol, little c. It's an idol. They haven't come to Christ, they've come to the church. Well, you come to the church and your whole identity surrounds a church which is a subculture, you, you'll get wounded because you'll have a limited capacity. But when you come to Christ and you offer your life to Christ, I've been telling our people, give your life to Christ. Don't give it to the church. You'll become the church. But give your life to Christ. But when you give your life to, then there's others that have left church and said, well, it's just me and Jesus. Well, it's not even the Jesus that I know because that's an idol. When they give the, oh, it's just me and Jesus, but I hate the church. So the Jesus they're in relationship with hates the church, his body. You know what I mean? So that doesn't even make sense because Jesus in Ephesians says, I'm the head and it's the mystery of marriage. And you must love, talking to husbands, you've got to love your wife as Christ loves the church. So there's a whole new love relationship that the church is going to enter into when we, when we understand Christ. And we give our life to Christ. We have the love of the bridegroom for the church. We carry a different love. That's another thing that you're going to be a part of, is, is the bridegroom love. 
that the Lord will do something in your relational life with a bridegroom love. That the, the, the woundedness of your, your love life will be healed by the bridegroom love. You'll capture something of the, of the servant heart of Jesus, the husbandman, the husband. And it'll, it'll change your life. It'll change even the atmosphere of who you are. People look at you and say, Andy, what's going on? And it'll come from a different premise because of that, the bridegroom love. Father, I thank you for Andy tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you for this Nathaniel. God sees you. He sees you tonight. I open El Roy, the well of seeing over your spirit tonight. I break the rejection of the wilderness, Hagar's rejection in the wilderness. God, have you abandoned me? The Lord says, open a well, I see you. And I'll bless your generations. The Lord says, there's generations for you. I'm opening a well of seeing over your life tonight. That favour would come in a way that's unprecedented that you'll be able to distribute to others in the name of Jesus. Amen. Bless you, bud. We've got a 15 minutes over, so I better hand it back. Hallelujah. Who are you, bud? Where do you come from? I like you. Come here. Mark, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah, okay, so can you read my lips? Oh, you can read, right. All right, here we go. All right, I'm going to do my best to speak into your life. You know, everybody has a, has a, has a skeletal framework, a framework that holds it together. The bones, the bones. Ezekiel calls the bones together, mighty army. Joseph says, take my bones when you leave and carry him into the promised land. Elisha dies, his bones get put in the grave and resurrection life are on him. There's something about you that I want to declare the life of the bones of the body of Christ over you. There's life in the bones, in the, in the marrow, in the very marrow of the bones is where life source and DNA comes from. And I believe that God is gonna raise up people like you and you'll be like a life source. That all of your life from ne- up until now has been a training ground and a preparatory time where you will walk into a whole new understanding of your calling, the meaning of your calling, the meaning of it the purpose of it, to hold things together. When you break a bone, it loses its rigidity. But if you keep the skeletal structure together, there's strength in the bones. Proverbs talks about the strength of the marrow of the bones, the strength. The church has got to be strengthened in this night season. It's got to be strengthened. The formation of the church has got to be strengthened. And you're going to bring it. You're going to bring the strength to the church. You're stronger. I reckon you're a strong guy. You're a pretty thin frame, but that means nothing. I reckon you're really strong physically. 
you know what I mean? You know, and, and I reckon in your spirit, there's something new that's going to strengthen the church to a whole new level. So I'm going to pray Paul's prayer over you tonight that God would take you to a whole new level of strength, that God would strengthen you by His Spirit in your innermost being and there would be an overflow of strength. That the framework of the bones of the body of Christ, the body of Christ is a metaphor for our relational strength. It's our connection. The bones are connected by joints and sinews and all that, you know. The arrangement of the body, the strength of the body. God is... Don't lean to your understanding. Don't let this get in the way. Right? This is the other thing we've got to understand about the church, the future of the night season church, is that everything's changing. God's going to bring glory to the lesser parts. He's going to, he's, he's diminishing and, and taking a glory away from the stage people. <laughs> and he's calling people out of the shadows. Hallelujah. And putting glory on them. And you're one of them. Hallelujah. There's a glory coming. There's a glory coming to you. A greater glory. There's a glory. Why don't you receive it by faith? Receive it tonight by faith. Hallelujah. Are you a hand lifter or not? Do you lift your hands? Hallelujah. Thank you for Mark, Lord. Strengthened with might. Strengthened with might. Strengthened with might. Strengthened with might. Strengthened. Strengthened with might, Lord, by His innermost being. The power of the Holy Spirit, an overflow of strength, a flow and a virtue that would come out of you like an adrenaline rush that when you touch people, when you, when, even when you walk past them, there would be a strengthening, an anointing, an overflow. When people walk into the building and you greet them and communicate and serve, there'd be an overflow of strength, an anointing, an activation of grace. I activate that tonight in the Name of Jesus Christ over you. In the Name of, of Jesus, be activated. Strength in your innermost being. Hallelujah. Look at the size of this guy's feet. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, the height of someone is often indicated by their feet. You've got huge feet. You've got plenty of growing to do yet, but hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Touch him tonight. Just stay. Just stay there. There's a, there's, there's a whole frequency coming to you right now. It's like being at the petrol station and opening up your petrol cap. And God is fueling you tonight. Hallelujah. There's been power taken out of you for some reason and the Lord's putting it back tonight. You've been stolen. In the night season of your past, someone's come and stole things from you. God says, I'm a, I'm a God that redeems sevenfold. I've caught the thief out. I've caught him out. A thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I've come to give life and give it abundantly. Tonight, you're going you're gonna to be a life giver. Hallelujah. Life in the bones. Life in the bones. Shaka Marambo. Praise God. I don't know if you belong to that last move of God, the laughter move. 
but I'm telling you now, there's a move coming. You're going to be right in the centre of it. Right in the centre of it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I declare a whirlwind anointing over you. A mighty rushing wind. A Pentecost. A rushing wind over you tonight. Touch him, Lord. Fuel him. Fire. The fire. The fuel of fire. Day of Pentecost. Insecure. Men and women waiting on the Lord, but with expectancy. Wait in the Lord till you be given power from on high. The wind blew and they were transformed into another glory. Hallelujah. Transformational wind over you tonight, Mark. Your name's written in heaven. You're amongst the community of saints. I'm looking at your arms right now, man. Look at the muscles in them arms. Hallelujah. You're God's strong man. You're God's strong man tonight. Hallelujah. Many others will come and align themselves with you to strengthen this church. Titus was a strong man, God's policeman. That's where he got his name from, from Titus. You're a Titus tonight. You'll be a Titus in this church. People won't pick on you because you'll, you'll be the, the doorman. You know the guy that stands at the nightclub and says you can come in or you can't? A gatekeeper. Hallelujah. You know how to duck and weave. You are the strong man. Hallelujah. Thank you for him tonight. Praise God. Look at those muscles in there. Hallelujah. Jesus. All right. Hallelujah. I just want to, last one before we go home. I know it's late, but it's Frank, come out here, bud. You and your wife. You know, uh, I don't want to get emotional because sometimes when this anointing comes on me, I start to cry. This the Lord loves faithfulness, just loves it. We can talk about faith, but when faithfulness comes, it's a whole other thing because it's relational. It's a love thing. It comes from a deep place of loyalty. Loyalty is so crucial to God. The last week of Jesus, let's go back to it again. This is the narrative of tonight, the night season. They all professed loyalty and they all forsook him and fled. (laughs) Every one of them. Loyalty is so precious. How long have you been married? Right, yeah. How long have you been saved? Oh, what, a few decades? More than that, about 32. Right, yeah. So you married God when you were saved. You didn't just come to Christ, you, you married him. And part of your salvation, everyone gets grace gifts on the day they were saved. I got prophetic gifts, teaching gifts, people get other gifts. You got 
the, you got characteristics and virtues, trademark virtues that made you a deacon in the house. And, and, and the deacon's anointing, the, the, the de, deacon's anointing is a protective anointing. It's protective because it's, it's, it, it's a shepherd's anointing in a different way. It protects the church and sees, sees the wolf coming, understands discernment of what's needed. You know, since Stephen had it, he was full of the Holy Ghost, operated, offered in the, you know, operating the miraculous. But God saw something in him of a servant heart. And I want to say to you too, it's only just begun. The night season is a call for deacons. God is going to ordain the, the diaconate, let's use that word, in a whole new level again. It's going to be a, it's going to be a relational power that'll come from deep-spirited loyalty. And it'll fuel and pr- provide and facilitate relational order in the church at a whole new level. It will protect the church, make it safe, facilitate unity and steward the miraculous well you, you are you are you are called to a season now where you've got to open your heart for a whole new deal what's your wife's name sorry Pauline, Pauline is it sorry Pauline I'm talking to Frank but I'm talking to you too alright equal equal weight loyalty you can't buy it you can't fake it. This is a time in the spirit realm where nothing can be faked. The fake is it's gone. The devil has come now. The accuser is roaring from the heavenlies and he's exposing all the fakes. You're not fakers. You can't fake in the spirit realm. And the Lord, your watch is over this house. But it's, gonna, it's a whole new deal now. There's going to be anointings that'll flow out of you for this house that'll protect the church in a way of discernment. Your discernment, the spirit of discernment will will be awakened in you, activated. In fact, I'm going to activate it now in Jesus' name over you. Discernment. Both of you, don't just look at Frank. You're going to get it too. Discernment. It'll affect your prayer life. It'll help you pray with focus and alignment where you won't, your prayers will carry new weight because they'll be alignment prayers. You'll carry, you'll say, you'll use the name of Jesus and you'll even feel it. You'll feel the power of, the, of it when you pray because it's alignment, ascension prayer. Because God's taken you to a whole level. And what will come then is you won't, it won't, because there's been op- seasons where you've operated out of human effort and you've thought, I'm getting tired. But there'll be a whole new fuel in your spirit. And you'll, be, you'll start seeing a recruitment program come, not out of systems and processes. It'll come out of provision from the Lord. Because like tracks like. And the Lord's gathering the folk now. He's building the church. Hallelujah. So I speak blessing, a blessing over you tonight. Generational blessing. Alignment in your spirit. I activate in you both tonight, in Jesus' name, discernment. The deacon's discernment. 
A deacon must be the husband and one of one wife, loyal, hospitable, a defender of the faith, and able to teach well. Now we talked before about Christianity explained. It ain't about explaining things. That word teach is is a is a multi-layered word. It's 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 prophesy, proclaim, unveil re- revelation. And it'll come out of it comes out of identity. It doesn't come out of knowledge, head knowledge. It comes out of relational identity. Because that's what it, that's where authority, that's the base and seat of authority. And so I'm believing that you both will be able to deposit a new discipleship pathway out of relational strength in the church. So Father, I thank you for Frank and for Pauline tonight for a new anointing, a new day for the night season. Let the eyes of their heart be enlightened with the illumination of the presence of heaven, the ascension realm. Let their prayers carry new weight in Jesus' name. Let their identity and their position in the heavenlies that's seated at the right hand of the Father with Jesus amongst the community of saints. Let the fragrance of that permeate the house. Let people who walk in see that, the richness of it, the value of it, the fragrance of it, the smell of it. Let the smell of this house be filled with the the beauty and the fragrance of the prayers of deacons that pray from a pure place of loyalty. We thank you, Lord, let that affect the culture of this church. Let this building, Lord, house that as a sacred home for people to be and fellowship together in a place of true safety. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Hallelujah.